Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to this week's excerpt from the Dear Prudence podcast. To get the full-length members-only version every week, join Slate Plus at slate.com slash prudipod. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to the Dear Prudence Show. Once again, and as always, I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Mallory Ortberg. With me in the studio today is my guest, Margie O'Mara, who is a Democratic pollster and host of the bipartisan podcast, The Pollsters, which is new from Panoply. Uh, Margie, welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show. How's everything going in D.C.? How's how's the aftermath of the storm? Well, the aftermath of the storm is you know, still stormy. And, you know, we have everything figured out here. So it's the perfect city for giving advice to the rest of the country. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Um, Well, then why don't you start by reading our very first letter and and we can give advice to people one at a time? Sure. So subject, I'm becoming bitter. Dear Prudence, I'm 30-something single, living with my retired parents in my house and work 12-hour shifts. Nothing makes me excited, not that I have much to be excited for, but even TV makes me sad and bitter. I'll watch a show and realize the character is my age and has so much accomplished or the actress playing the character has had a full life. While I'm home Friday night watching TV, I end up resenting the show. It's gotten so bad that now I watch shows like Forensic Files so I don't see all the happy, wonderful lives of the characters or actors. How can I get out of this hole knowing I don't really have much of a life? I'm an introvert, so I've never had many friends. My closest friend lives in another state. And when I hear myself speak, I think I'm boring and very monotone, so I avoid making conversation with strangers. I'm so bitter that I don't have any social media to avoid all the happy people around me. I don't want to be, but how? Oh, man, I I really feel for this letter writer. I know. And if it helps, I can really relate to the idea of resenting a television show. I know, right? Um, that is very universal. Are there any television shows that you've ever watched and resented? So, I mean, which haven't I? I mean, I so I have a kind of love, hate, resent. I mean, I know this feeling about the show Unreal. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I, I saw part I, of the first season, yeah. It's... So, I, you know, you feel like you feel admiration for the women in charge because there are so many women in charge, which is really a great thing. But also they're very... They get there through all kinds of like mean, horrible ways. So mm-hmm. I, I ha- you know, so I understand. I don't resent the characters per se, but I have a combination of envy and shade and Freud when they do things that are bad and get called out for it. So I, I have some of these feelings. But you know, when I looked at this, I, I think this letter writer has a couple different pieces that they can split out and attack separately. The first is the television. I think. There are so many shows out there. I don't think anyone should feel badly for what they want to watch or don't want to watch. There are literally billions of wonderful shows. I think that's the accurate 
count as of right now that one can watch. And if one makes you feel happier than another, I think that's that's fine. I think the first thing to really address is feeling that you don't have a lot of time to do other things that make you feel happier. That the 12-hour work hour shifts, that's what is the crux of, I think, feeling stressed about relationships, television, et cetera. Yeah, there's there's so much here. Um, I, I, I do like the energy that you bring to it and the idea of attacking it. That's kind of a lovely way of thinking about how to how to handle a sort of inertia. Um, yeah, and it, it's some, it, it has something to do with television. It has other things that have nothing to do with television. Um, and I always feel with a question like this, which is so big, right? Like this question is essentially, I don't like my life and I don't really see a different possibility, um, which mm-hmm. is a, a really big question. And I know there can be that sort of tendency to say, um, you may be chemically depressed. You should consider talking to a doctor. Um, and, and the implication there is always, and this could be addressed by medication. Um, and, and I think that that's true. And I do, I do want to acknowledge that. Um, and, and, and I also believe that there are a lot of things here that may have very little to do with chemical depression um, and everything to do with the sort of big questions of how do you build a meaningful life. Um, and I don't ever want to frame it in such a way that it makes it sound like it's either one or the other. It's never any combination of both. So, you know, letter writer, for whatever it's worth, if you have never spoken to a doctor about the possibility of medication, that is an option that's available to you. Um, if you were to try that and find some relief or some help, um, I think that would be a really good outcome. It may feel like a lot of these big questions are less overwhelming and unbearable if you were to address that. Um, that said, I, I, I myself am not a doctor. I, I cannot in any way guarantee that that medication would address or, or or make you feel more up to addressing any of these things. And and some of this, gosh, is just like the problem of being alive. Um, so so part of me wants to say like, here are five things you can do to to make all this better. And I also just want to acknowledge, I, I don't know what makes everything better. So. Feel free to take this with just as many grains of salt as you can possibly fit in your hands, letter writer. Um, but yeah, so the, the the problems as you see them are, uh, letter writer, the the twelve hour shifts, the being single, possibly living with your parents, what TV brings out in you. Um, but mostly, I think the idea that nothing makes you excited, and then you take it a step further and you say that you believe you don't have anything to be excited about, which is a, a pretty big feeling. And I, I think this sort of question there for you is like if you were to watch different kinds of television or to stop watching television or to try to get a different job or to try to date or to try to you know have a different living situation would the underlying problem of I don't believe I have anything excite to be excited about still be there um, and if so what what could address that does that does that make any sense yeah, no, I, I agree. And I guess, you know, I look at this letter and see a lot of things to really forgive yourself for, whether it's a television piece or also feeling like you sound monotone, even that specific. These are symptoms of the sort of underlying feeling concerned about, you know, where things are headed. But it's, you know, scientific pattern that people don't, you know, the sound of their own voice sounds very different to them than it does to others. Just like our reflection in the mirror, it looks different to us than than we do to others. So these things you should, you know, you should for be able to forgive your, try to forgive yourself for, letter writer. They are very common. This is These are things that lots of people feel, um, you know, feeling anxiety or, you know, sort of resentment or anger towards social media is obviously something lots of people feel right Right. now. So some of these things are very human. And 
I think maybe the first step to feeling better about your living situation is just trying to, I know it's difficult, stepping around some of these other challenges or other worries that lots of people have. Yeah, they, not to say that therefore it's not important, but to 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 say that this is not something that only it's you not deal just me. with, right? Um, and for for what it's worth, I think give yourself credit for avoiding social media. Don't don't feel like oh man, if I were less bitter, I would really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I, it sounds like you've made right. a good decision for yourself there, which is just that it would not bring you joy, and so you have not pursued it. But yeah, you know, this idea of I'm an introvert, therefore I've never had many friends, um, as if to say the type of person I am is the type of person who can't really make friends um, or, or wouldn't be able to. Um, or, you know, I, I judge myself when I hear myself talk, so I don't really talk to people, which, you know, kind of adds to that issue. And um, again, I don't want to sort of trivialize it by saying, we'll take a public speaking course. Go ahead and talk to somebody in a coffee shop you don't know every day. Um, go make friends. Just do those things and then you'll feel good. Because if, if the real thing is, I don't believe I have anything to offer a friend, then, then that can feel really, really painful. So, you know, again, like uh, if, if if not a doctor or a therapist, talking about this with somebody um, I, I think might prove helpful, not in the sense that it would then, if you name and address the issue, it will then magically vanish. Um, but, but just to say, you know, are there things that um, make me feel good or are there ways that I can talk to myself? Like when I catch myself thinking I have nothing to offer people, I can't make friends, my voice is uninteresting and other people don't like listening to me. Is there ever a way, is there a strategy that you can kind of acknowledge that in yourself and say, that might not be the voice of truth. That might not be objective reality. That might not be the the most profoundly true thing about me. And, and I think that that's kind of the thing to really look at here. And that the other things about like the fact that your shifts are really long and draining, um, the fact that sometimes when you're off of those shifts, all you want to do is turn your brain off and watch TV. But then it also brings up feelings of inadequacy and jealousy that are painful um, those those are maybe symptomatic of the problem in some ways rather than the problem itself. Right. And anyone working 12-hour shifts, even if they liked their living situation and, you know, they felt like they had lots of TV shows they enjoyed, they would still feel drained and stressed out at the end of the day. I mean, that's a long, that's a long work day for everybody to have at a, you know, daily pace. Right. So the question, how do I get out of this hole? knowing I don't really have much of a life, which is not the same thing as you are unable to access a life or build a life or find the things that do feel meaningful to you and to to have some version of those. You know, I, I don't want to get too hung up on, it's not like you're watching TV 12 hours a day. Like you just say on a Friday night, if I'm unwinding after a long week of work, I watch some TV. So, so I don't want to be like, just don't watch TV and then all your problems are going to be solved. But, you know, how do you get out of this hole? Um, you're starting in a good place, right? Like, you know what some of the problem is. You, you you would like it to be different. You know, medication may prove helpful. Therapy may prove helpful. Um, figuring out whether or not it's possible to find a different job with different hours may prove helpful. Looking for ways to facilitate talking to other people. Like, let's say you don't feel really comfortable, like, going to a big meetup uh, or, or going out with coworkers. Um, but is there something that interests you that you would want to, like, do some volunteer work with or, or, or organize around or like hobbies that you enjoy um, that are not just like, I'm going to go talk to strangers, um, but that would be like based around mutual interests or, or something that feels meaningful to you. And that might feel like a homework, friend homework. That's a lot. But even if that 
went uncomfortably or felt challenging, at least it would be something new. It would not be, I'm mad at my TV again on a Friday night. Right. Think of it as an experiment rather than you have to commit to a year of this new pattern. Just, you know, start with a small step of an, uh, trying something for a week or trying something one time. And, uh, you know, a- ask ask for help if you can. You don't say much about what your relationship with your parents is like. But if it's if it's somewhat good, maybe sharing just with the people that you live with, like sometimes I feel really lonely and like I don't have a lot to offer people. That, that might just be helpful to share that with even your closest friend who lives in another state, not in the sense of like, help me fix it um, or you're responsible for it. But just like, this is where I'm at. Like, and see, maybe they have suggestions or maybe they can reflect truth back to you in a different way. Or maybe they know other people that you might enjoy spending some time with. Or, or maybe you'll just feel less alone having shared it. Um, I, I know none of these are like, if you follow this five point plan, everything's going to get better. But I do think that talking about this more with the people who are already in your life um, may go a long way towards helping you feel like you are not without resources. You are not without, you know, you know, you have a, you have a job where they need you for 12 hours a day. You are not a completely, um, you know, monotonous, boring person. Like there is need for you in the world. Um, and I think if there's need for you in your job, that's probably a good indication that there may be need for you elsewhere and that there are other people um, who are not necessarily looking for wildly exciting, extroverted types um, who would maybe value having a friend who is introspective and sometimes questions themselves and and often wonders, is there a point to what I'm doing right now? Because other people feel that way too. And they may, they may want to get to know somebody who also feels that way rather than somebody who's just happy, great, ready to go. Right. And you have a house where it sounds like you're able to provide some help to your parents. So yeah, yeah, you're useful. You are useful to your retired parents. Mm-hmm. And, and that's meaningful. I mean, that might not feel fun or exciting. And that's certainly not the only thing that you would want out of your life. But that that is a, a meaningful contribution to somebody else's safety and well-being. And um, I think just as, as important as it is to think about what are things I'd like to change, to give yourself credit for the good things that you are already doing, like not being on social media and kind of forcing yourself to stare at the things that embitter you um, and providing useful assistance to your parents. Like that, that's that's something to be proud of. Um, you You work hard. That's something to be proud of, too. Again, that's not the full answer, but that's meaningful. And and good luck. I, I wish I had more specifics for you, but um, I, I just... I'm glad that you wrote in about this, and and I hope that talking about this provides you with some comfort and solace and a sense of purpose and hope. Absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I also, by the way, just want to acknowledge that if you, our listeners, or you, Margie, have heard a strange, periodic, distant buzzing sound, uh, <laughs> we hear that too. We're real sorry about it. Uh, we're trying to address it. And uh, it's certainly not coming from any of us. Um, we are not making that sound. Um, and we apologize for it. And we'll do our best to stop it. But we have no guarantees. So this just might be a slightly buzzy episode. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being with us. I like to create buzz. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Oh, boy. Okay, go ahead and read the next letter. Okay, subject, money, always. 
Dear Prudence, I'm a sophomore in college, and my mother owes me about $300. This is literally over half of what is in my bank account right now. It's from a couple of different things, concert tickets that she told me she'd pay me back for. She didn't have Wi-Fi for the weekend, didn't want to buy them with her data. Black Friday shopping, my glasses, some groceries. I really, really need this money. I'm saving money to live in an apartment next year, and that's nearly a month of rent. Every time I bring this up, she says she'll pay me back or we end up shouting at each other, and then it doesn't happen. I otherwise have a great relationship with my mom. We're incredibly close, and I don't want this to ruin that. Besides, never offering to pay for anything again, how do I effectively communicate to my mother that I need this money? And the buzzing begins again. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like maybe the buzzing is like warning us if we're about to step in it. Um, I, I'm choosing to believe that this buzzing is a manifestation uh, of some sort of higher power that, that wills our good. Um, and, and whenever it starts up again, I'm going to take that as some sort of sign. Or like maybe it's just a nagging voice that's always in the background. You know, I, I think these are two good strategies to take to the buzzing <laughs> um, and that together you and I will be able to, to really <laughs> bring a number of perspectives to bear. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so in keeping with today's theme of just like looking to find where people are powerless, um, I, I think one thing that may be helpful to you, letter writer, is you say, I otherwise have an amazing relationship with my mom and I don't want this to ruin that. You kind of don't have a lot of control over that. You can't force your mother to pay you back. Um, you can't pretend that that doesn't hurt and frustrate and inconvenience you deeply if she doesn't. Um, and again, that's not to say inevitably the two of you will never speak again. I just mean, to some extent, this has already affected, damaged your relationship. Um, and that may continue. There there may not be a great outcome. So I think letting go of the idea that there's going to be some way um, to make it so that this never really happened and you guys never really have to think about that, um, I don't think that's possible. Um, again, that doesn't mean that your mom is a jerk um, or that you'll never see any of this money um, or that you, you know, need to um, just swallow all your feelings about it and pretend it didn't happen. But this is affecting your relationship um, and that's reality. Um, and so I think the most important thing to do is, you know, as you've already wisely realized, is to stop lending your mother money. Um whether it's for something she's going to get for you or for herself, like you threw my glasses in there and it seems like that was kind of like, see, it's not all bad. Sometimes it's stuff for me. Um, but yeah, you can stop lending your mother money, especially for something as, you know, relatively unimportant as when she wants to buy concert tickets. Right. So I I saw a couple things. I mean, first, I would think about separating out the feeling upset about not being paid back from really wanting the money, like really needing the money, you know, feeling like you need that money to save for finding a, a new apartment next year. And, and I know they're, I know they're related, obviously, one, they magnify each other. Um, but it is worth putting them aside from separately and thinking about them separately, because focusing on the annoyance can make you think about, well, how do I get past this my relationship with her? You're going to feel a need for that $300 regardless. So I, I think try to unpacking that may, may be helpful. And the, the other thing is perhaps you're, it's hard, I'm not sure if I'm, it's totally clear to, or if I'm reading it right from this letter, but um, is your mother trying to ask for, help in shared expenses by asking for $300 and then not paying it back? Is that part of how she is trying to negotiate the other kinds of living arrangement, the living arrangement details that you guys share, perhaps? It's, I'm not totally sure if I'm reading that correctly. But yeah, and it's not clear if they live together, actually. 
Yes. Um, I mean, they, right. they do say that they're saving money to live in an apartment next year, but it's not clear if they live in the dorms right now or with their right. mother. Right. And said, well, you know, she borrowed the money to pay for my glasses. So so maybe the so maybe this is her way of saying, you know, I need help paying for some of these things for you. Right. So maybe she's not saying it clearly. I mean, the other thing to think about and, I, you know, this is a, a lesson that is always always comes a bit too soon, which is realizing that sometimes you can have the you know, sometimes your parent doesn't always act like the parent you want them to be. And sometimes you feel like you, not that you're the parent, but that you are having to rise above a situation while your parent is, you know, not doing what you think they should. And, and that's something that you, you start to realize more as you, you know, become an adult and, and age, I think. And so maybe this is the beginning of realizing that, or maybe this is just a, a one-time thing. But that is that is something that a lot of people feel as they get older and interact with their parents as as adults, as peers, realize that their parents, you know, sometimes do, don't do things that you know, feel parental. Um, so, and I know you probably wish that she was, you know, taking into account your need for this money and that you wanted to be paid back. And, and, and uh, you know, that's upsetting. I, I hear that and I completely recognize that. It's, you know, it's not uncommon to feel that sometimes as you get older and have to deal with your parents. Yeah. I, I think one one thing I'll just say uh, yeah, I, th- I think it is important to distinguish between if she needs help with shared household expenses. Like, I don't know if these are groceries that you share um, or if these were just groceries for her. I would put that and the glasses in a different category for concert tickets or or even Black right. Friday shopping. But to say, like, it, it, it may be that you two do sometimes share housing, uh, like living expenses, and that that's especially given that you say, like, your mother is not making a lot of money like that. That does seem to be understandable, even if you decide in the future that you're not able to continue doing that. Um, I, I can see where she's coming from in that. Um, but I think the, the important thing to communicate to your mom is, mom, I don't want to shout about this. Um, I don't want to nag you about it. But I also want you to know that um, this is money that I need. And it, I'm really frustrated that um, I'll bring it up, you will agree with me, and then you don't take action. And I would so much rather hear from you like, hey, I've got five bucks I can send your way this month. Let's pay it down a little bit um, than to just agree with me in the moment and then not do anything. Even if you were to say to me, I just don't have the money. I don't know when I'm going to get the money. Um, When and if I am able to, I will start paying you back in small increments. Um, But just something that would um, indicate that, that this matters to you and that you would understand I'm not just being you know, tight-fisted about this or demanding or that I don't appreciate all the things that you've done for me. Um, can we do that? Like, is that possible? Um, I, 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 you know, she, she may feel kind of ashamed and defensive um, about the fact that she can't pay you back. And, and um, that may be some of what's motivating her behavior. And again, if she doesn't have any good response to that, or if she's just like, yes, yes, of course, and then nothing else moves the needle, uh, at some point, you know, you may need to consider that $300 gone. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't love your mother and that doesn't mean you two can't be close, um, but it, it, it will feel painful um, and it will be a real loss. And it may mean that you don't lend her money in the future. And that may also be difficult for the two of you. So this this, you know, this might be an ongoing issue, even if she paid you back tomorrow. This might not be fixed, solved, perfect. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is just if you catch yourself starting to shout again, um, I, I can understand that you feel kind of powerless over this and shouting is the sort of like last resource. Um, but but to just catch yourself and say, like, look, I, I don't want to yell at you about this. Let's stop. 
Um, we can talk about this again later when we've both calmed down a little bit. Um, but shouting's not going to get us anywhere. Um, and, and good luck. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Now, maybe one last thing is maybe you should think about, you know, maybe you can offer a way you guys can work together on this. Like, hey, let's save. How do we save money together this week? Let's share a meal of, you know, that we cook ourselves or or find, you know, maybe there's some kind of solidarity bonding way to kind of tackle this. Not that this would negate her, you know, her debt or that make the $300 appear, but it, maybe it's just a way to to have the two of you kind of bond over over money as opposed to fight over it. Yep. And the good news is you don't have to keep lending her money. Um for 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 things like concert tickets, um, and so if you decide that as much as you love and sympathize with your mother's difficulties, you need to keep your finances separate for your own like preparation for increased independence and in adulthood, you get to do that. Um, that's absolutely something that you can do, um, and that might make a real difference. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This next letter is, I find, quite charming. Um, and I, I'm excited to get to tackle it together. So the subject line is just reading. Dear Prudence, my wife reads children's novels to our daughter every night. Mostly classics like the Narnia books or the early Harry Potter. But she changes the pronouns of the protagonist. So suddenly there are four queens of Narnia. Or Harry becomes Harriet. <laughs> She insists there is nothing wrong with this, and she wants her daughter to grow up knowing that she can have adventures too. I am worried that this will confuse our five-year-old and make things difficult with her peers. We don't tell her to watch any TV, but my sister lets her kids do it, and last time we came over, our daughter got into a shouting match with my older nephew over the Harry Potter movies. My wife intervened and then told our daughter we had a different version of the book made special for her. Our daughter will be starting kindergarten next year, and I don't want her to be ostracized from her peers. I think we owe her the truth, but I can't actually speak to knowing what it's like to grow up as a girl. Should I do anything? I love this letter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to make light of, like, the shouting match with the cousins. No, but, yeah. no. I, I love this. Well, first of all, when I, when I was emailing about, like, topics, I, I, I emailed to you and your team, mom politics, you know, add to my list, mom politics. I did not know that something so on the nose for me as this letter would come back because my, I have a six-year-old daughter who just loves Harry Potter and Narnia. Like that's what her current upset, that's just her current full-on obsession. And she's very lucky because she has an English grandfather who's in town, my father-in-law, and who enjoys Harry Potter as much as she does. And he says these wonderful things like, Ron Weasley is the most boring chap in the system. <laughs> like, so this is her like, she gets fully immersed in Harry Potter when he comes. Anyway, so I, I, I have thought about this Harry Potter piece as it relates to feminist parenting a lot. And so I have a couple thoughts. I'm kind of with your I'm definitely with your wife on the goal of trying to provide a gender balanced and thoughtful and deliberate approach to the kinds of books and role models that your children get. And also, it's not just for girls, I should note, but for boys as well. Boys should also see women in strong roles, not girls. That's not just a lesson for girls. So let's we'll table that for a minute. Um, 
So it, it, this is this is super important. And there's resources like Common Sense Media and other places you can go to really make sure that you are, you know, doing your due diligence. But even without due diligence, it's hard to avoid the fact that there are a lot more books and stories with strong boys and like a female sidekick than the reverse because girls and women will will read stories with a strong male lead and less so the reverse. So that so that's why just in terms of expanding your market, you have a lot of places and a lot of books and media that will have boys as the lead. So that's, you know, that's a challenge that's sort of separate from Harry Potter. But Harry Potter specifically, I think I would have as a bit of a departure from the kind of go ahead and try to, you know, I also have reversed the genders. I spent a lot of time talking about the stories we read and so on. But for Harry Potter specifically, I agree with you that it's hard to avoid that it's Harry Potter, not Harriet Potter. I don't think it's going to ruin her life in kindergarten, but it is it is very much, you know, it, she will be she will find out eventually. It won't, you know, it's just a question of when that she doesn't have her own special Harriet Potter book. So I think that's, you know, that's a thing to consider further. But here's sort of the, the other point, which was not in your question, but worth thinking about, is that Hermione is just as great of a role model, if not better than Harry Potter for a young girl. I mean, Harry Potter, he has adventures because of his sort of, you know, his wizard privilege, right? But Hermione gets there with grit and determination and hard work. And so I think Hermione is at, you know, is a great, fantastic role model for, you know, kindergarten and up aged girls. Yeah. And I think this is not maybe as bad as it seems now. Like, yes, screaming with your cousins is is stressful and frustrating. But I also don't think that it means your daughter is guaranteed to be ostracized in kindergarten. Kids do fight a lot and sometimes very emotionally about stuff all the time. Um, and I think probably a better outcome is for you and your wife both to choose books with female protagonists already written. There are many, many books of that nature. Um, and I think that that will probably go a long, a longer way towards helping your daughter see, you know, uh, versions of herself reflected in literature um, than choosing a lot of classics that don't have uh, the sort of female characters you're looking for and switching the names. Um, if nothing else, it will be easier to read. Um, so I, I think that that's one sort of like e easy alternative. Um, but yeah, eventually, you know, your daughter is going to learn um, that this is something that her mom did for her. And, and that's that's sweet and, and lovely in a lot of ways. But you also can't um, indefinitely hold off that day. Um, like you can't She's not going to be 18 and think like, well, J.K. Rowling wrote a special version of this book for me. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, you do not have to, like, force this conversation right now. I don't think this is something you need to be incredibly stressed out about. But um, certainly I, I think it's worth talking about with with both you and your wife about, like, all right, what's what's the plan as she gets older? Like, what are some other books that we can um, find for her? What are some ways that we can talk to her about the way that we sometimes switch the names of, of characters and um, how can we make sure that we're not unnecessarily setting her up to, like, argue with her classmates of like, no, this character is a girl um, uh, in a way that would be alienating. I, I You know, I think it's it's in, important to I mean, switching the names is good. Picking out the books that you find appropriate is also good. I think. In addition to it, it's okay to explain, look, this is not how I would have written it, or I would have wished that this character was a girl, or, you know, my daughter brought home a book that had, um, 
you know, it was like a Sleeping Beauty book and, you know, she gets kissed without consent and it's all wonderful. And, and you know, it's an old, very old book. Obviously, it's an old fairy tale. But I explain, look, this is not she did not ask to be kissed. It's not right. Or I'll say, look, they get married, but there's more to getting married than whether or not someone thinks you're pretty. Like you have to you, it's OK to add your values to the narration as opposed to only limiting yourself to books that align with your values. I think it's okay to explain, here's what, here's my objection to this. And just so you know, so they, they see that there are other stories out there and you, it's an added opportunity to say what's important to you. Yeah. Uh, this is also, uh, you may or may not want to do this, but uh, I have a lot of friends who really loved the Song of the Lioness books when they were kids. Um, it's by Tamora Pierce. It's young adult series. It's fantasy novels kind of in the vein of, Narnia or Harry Potter, and it's about um, a, a a young girl who disguises herself as her twin brother to go become a knight. Um, uh, again, I haven't read them personally, so I can't speak to them, but that might be a great next book to to read to your daughter um, that features uh, an, an already existent female protagonist. Oh, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, and I haven't seen the new Wrinkle in Time movie, but right. I find that intriguing. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a ton of great stuff out there. I think that that would be just in every way a, a better option for all of you. It's easier. Um, it, <laughs> right. it will not necessarily like cause her to get into unnecessary fights with with other kids. Um, and and there's a lot. There's a there's a wealth of material out there. All right. Would you uh, be so good as to read our next letter? Absolutely. Subject: Sleepy in Seattle. Dear Prudence, I'm in my mid-30s, moved to a new city about five years ago, and basically my problem is that my desire to get a decent night's sleep makes socializing hard, and because of that, I still don't feel settled in my new town. I have to be up between 5.30 and 6 for work, so if I go out on weeknights, I like to find activities that start before, start before or at 7, no later. I have to take public transit, so commutes home can be 45 minutes or more, depending on where I am, making staying around to socialize or accepting spontaneous plans hard. Just the other night, people at an event I I was at wanted to go to karaoke, which I would have done, but they weren't headed over until after 8, and it was far from my apartment. Dates have gotten annoyed when even after spending an hour or more on drinks or an, an early dinner, I want to call it a night. I'd be more of a night owl on the weekends, but I've always gotten a ton of stuff to do. So sleeping away half a Saturday or Sunday or being exhausted because I stayed out and just went without sleep sounds stressful. Do you have any advice? I'd like to make more friends, but I just don't know what to do. I kind of want to put this person in touch with our first letter writer. I know. I know. Like, they seem like they would at least be able to kind of bond over. I feel kind of wiped out and, and like other people want to get together in ways that would make me even more wiped out. Yes. So, I mean, when I saw this, like, if you know, you shouldn't try and force yourself to make friends with a group of people that likes to hang out till two in the morning. That's always going to be a disappointment. Right. right? That's just not going to work. It's not going to work. If you get up early, you get up early, got to embrace that. Um, And there are things that people like to do that are not at midnight, like hiking, going, doing yoga, volunteering during the day on the weekends, lunch dates, you know, or coffee dates as opposed to dinner and drink dates. I mean, there are some options to kind of make sure you're not doing everything between 8 and 11. And it's also not, I don't want to make it sound like you have to choose between like fun activities and wholesome activities. And if you want to call it a day by nine o'clock, you can only like do yoga and drink green juice. And if you want to hang out after (laughs) nine, you're going to like have a night out on the town. Um, But I I think you got to lead with this, right? Like you just have to look for other early birds. Um, 
not everyone in the world is a night owl. So if you're only trying to socialize with night owls and you're kind of hoping to find a compromise and maybe not leading with the fact that like you get up early every day and you need to be home by nine or nine thirty or whatever, um, you've just got to screen people earlier than this because otherwise your options are not get enough sleep and be miserable and not fun to be around. Um, or, you know, halfway through a date or, or an activity, experiencing other people's frustration with you. And that's that's not going to that's not going to work for you. So you got to find the other early birds. Right. And, you know, at the same token, I just I mean, it almost seemed I don't know if you tried staying out and then you slept all day on Saturday, you didn't get to what you wanted to do and said, this is not for me. You know, I just wonder, it's not like a, maybe it's a straw man, like, oh, well, if I go out one night, then I'm going to spend my whole weekend sleeping and nothing else is going to get done. I mean, that it, I don't th- I think there's a middle ground. I think if you go out for karaoke once a month or once with your coworkers, you know, your weekend will probably still be intact. So maybe thinking about like, what are you doing on your weekend days that maybe you can pare back or change around a little bit or just say, I'm not going to get this done this weekend. So you can make time for something you clearly want to spend time doing and want to focus on doing, which is making new friends. Yeah. And, and you know, you're the best judge of like you say, you've always got a ton of stuff to do. I don't know how crucial and time sensitive all of that stuff is. It may be that there are some ways in which you can let go of some of the sense of like, I have to do all these things um, right now or or else, you know, things aren't going to be OK. Or it, it genuinely could be that those are like work related and unavoidable. But, you know, look for anything that is avoidable. And if like once a month you want to like go out a little bit late um, and sleep in a little bit on a Saturday, uh, you know, you can do that without necessarily like tying one on, staying out till 5 a.m. and then being uh, exhausted all weekend. Um, you know, look for ways where you can unwind a little bit. And then when you can't, just just go with that. And if a date gets annoyed, um, that's OK. Like, uh, hopefully they're not being real rude about it, but just say like, yep, that's my schedule. Um, I, I, I need to do earlier dates most of the time. Um, and if they're like, that irritates me so much, I don't want to be around you. It's better to know that sooner rather than later. Um, and there will be lots of people who are like, I also have to get up really early. This is great. Do you want to go see like a super early movie or something? Um, but yeah, I, I feel you on this one. And you, you got to be able to, to prioritize sleep because if you're sleepy all the time, you're not a happy person. Right. Right. It's good to protect your sleep for sure. Um, but it sounds like you want to find some time for other things. So if it's not sleep that you're going to give up, then maybe some of the stuff you do on the weekends or thinking through what, you're, you know, the afternoon, early evening time. Yeah. All right, Margie, thank you so much for coming and being on the show. Um, the the buzzing sound is is such that I think this is a great place for us to stop and free our listeners from from the stress of wondering when will the buzzing sound return? Is the buzzing sound imminent? Am I buzzing right is, now? Right. Is it my phone? No, it's not your phone. It was us, and we're sorry. It was us. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. If you ever have any polling you want to discuss, you are welcome to come on the pollsters. If you have a poll of your letter writers to see how they liked taking your advice or if anything I else. If I ever think of a poll, I will. you will be the first to know, <laughs> I, I promise you. And if, 
Um, if you are Good. listening to this podcast, uh, friends, and you have ever felt like uh, you were the only person in the world who has to get an early night um, or who sometimes feels like everyone else in the world is having a great time going out to bars and you are the only one who feels a little self-conscious and wants to sit on the couch, you are not alone. There are a lot of uh, you and sometimes you write in to one another and I wish I could put you all in touch so that you could all hang out quietly and uh, on someone's couch. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Margie. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Max Jacobs. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. And remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash plus to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. Looking for more from Slate? If Then is a podcast about technology, society, and power. Each week's Slate's April Glazer and Will Aremis take you on a lively tour of the tech news that actually matters, from fake news in your Facebook feed, to the algorithms that want your job, to the Uber drivers who want a job with benefits. With newsmaking interviews of key tech industry figures, fascinating academics, and top tech journalists, they explore not only how the technology that's shaping our world works, but the ideas, ideologies, incentives, and biases that underlie it. New episodes are out every Wednesday. So check out If Then wherever you get your podcasts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.